listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 20th of October 2022. Uh, later, how shareholders are feeling about this growing number of cyber attacks on corporate Australia. But first to the jobs market with the unemployment rate staying steady at 3.5% in September. Only 900 jobs were created, so is this as it good as it gets? For more, I spoke earlier with Mark Thurwell. He's the Chief Economist at the Australian Institute of Company Directors probably is there or thereabouts. You're right, the market had expected 3.5% and 3.5% was what it got. The actual number of unemployed did tick up a little bit, but not by enough to move the rate. There was a bit of a disappointment on the employment numbers. The market expectations had been for about 25,000 jobs to be created. Instead, we got just 900, there were about 13,000 more full-time jobs, but that was offset by a bit more, a fall of a bit more than 12,000 part-time. And the pace of employment creation has been easing off. So if you look at these numbers, I think they give you two big takeaways. The first one is that the labor market still remains incredibly tight. We've still got that multi-decade low unemployment rate. We've still got you know, that, that tightness in the labor market, but the pace of gains have tailed right off. So looking through the data in more detail, what gave you optimism about the jobs market? And on the flip side, what's given you a a few concerns? So I think the the optimistic side of the story is still that if you look at things like the employment um, to population ratio, it's still very close to record highs. Same with the participation rate. In both cases, we're just 0.2 percentage points off the record highs that we set back in June. So in that sense, the labour market is still functioning really well. If you look at the levels of indicators, things like vacancies, job ads, again, still signaling very tight labor market. So after this release, the number of unemployed is now edged above the number of vacancies, but the ratio is still pretty close to one to one. Pre-pandemic, we had a ratio of about closer to three to one, so three times as many unemployed as vacancies. So all of those things are telling you that there's still actually a bit of scope for the labor market to do better. That's the, the upside. I guess the thing's pushing in the other direction. As you said, that looking over the last few months now, that pace of employment growth does seem to have slowed right off. If you look at those other indicators, the number of vacancies, it's off its peak. It's only off by a little bit, but it's off slightly. Same with the number of job ads. It's off again somewhat. So there's, I think there's two things happening there. One is just that as we've got this very low unemployment rate, job matching has got increasingly challenging. So the, you know, the, the risk of skill mismatches, the difficulty of filling the last few jobs has got a bit more challenging. And the other thing is that we're now in a stage where um, people look ahead and see that, as you said, this is probably close to as good as it gets. As you look forward, storm clouds and you know, gathered quite heavily over the global economy. We know domestically that the economy is likely to slow as the always RBA interest rate increases start to bite. So that's starting to filter through into the numbers too. Okay, so what do you think the RBA will think about this and what will it mean for monetary policy? I think this one will be pretty much a confirmation of where the RBA thought we were at. So if you look at their latest set of forecasts, the ones we've got in the August statement monetary policy, I mean, they basically thought that the unemployment rate would stay around three and a half. I think they actually have it falling to about three and a quarter by year end before very gradually starting to pick up again. Um, so when they sort of, do their list of, of risk ons and risk offs. I think this one, they'd pretty much say, as we expected. So in contrast to say the global environment where very notably things have deteriorated over the last couple of months, 
And when we look at the, the minutes that we got this week and we look at the commentary from the RBA, it seems they're very aware of that deterioration in external circumstances. In contrast, when they're looking at these domestic numbers, they're probably saying oh, that's pretty much tracking where we'd expect it to be. Okay, so if this is pretty much as good as it's going to get, overall, what does this mean for businesses and, and, and the biggest labour-related challenges that they're facing? In the short term, I think it means that those constraints continue to really bite. So we just released the results of a director sentiment index. It's a big survey we do of our members twice a year, every year. Um, This time we surveyed about 1,500 directors. And every year we ask them, what's the single most important economic challenge facing Australian businesses? And unambiguously, they said skill shortages. We ask them, what's the biggest short-term priority for government policy? And again, top of their list, skill shortages. And we ask them, what's the thing that keeps you awake at night about everything? Skill shortage didn't quite get to number one. That was cyber risk, but it was uh, very firmly in second place. So, so this is telling you that you know, directors and the firms that they represent are struggling with this labor market. And in the short term, it's telling you that those conditions are going to continue to, re- to remain you know, pretty tricky. And just finally, so if the rate of growth has started to slow, how do you make it pick up again? So short-term fixes are pretty limited. There are a few things you can do. I mean, one of the things that comes out of our survey and also from a, a lot of business commentary generally is the, is the hope that changes to the migration program will help there. And we know, for example, in the aftermath of the job summit that the government's increased the, uh, the scale of permanent migration for this year. Um, the treatment, you know, the, the sorting out the visa backlog, again, that's something you can do. So on the international side, Longer term, though, the challenge is, I think, at least in part around making sure that you do the best to, to solve the skills mismatch problem. So while it's true that at a, you know, the macro level, the big picture stuff that we're talking about, you've got a very tight labor market, there are still segments in there where the participation rate is lower. You know, there are differences, for example, between male and female rates. There are differences across age demographics. So there's things you could do around that, and there are things you could do around skill mismatch. But they probably, they, they, they're the sort of things that take longer to fix than the next six months or a year. Um, so those things you're going to just, you know, th- there's a, there's, a, there's a strong case for structural change there, I think, structural reforms to improve the functioning of the labour market. Mark Thurwell there, the Chief Economist at the AICD. Now to the Australian share market, which fell today down by 1%, the 200 at 6,730. For more, I spoke earlier with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Well, I guess uh, it's a combination of things. We did have a little bit of a, a weaker lead-in from the U.S. markets. Also, Asian markets are a little bit sloppy at the moment. There has been uh, concerns about recession, global growth, etc. And there hasn't really been that stimulus that we were expecting, I guess, from China post uh, President Xi's uh, reappointment. So that is weighing on the market. Also in Japan, they're having some issues there as well. The strong dollar really affecting things. And we're seeing bond yields continuing to push higher. So that's really having a bit of a detrimental effect on our market equities across the Asian region at the moment. While the market's down, energy stocks have really been outperforming, in particular uh, Woodside and Santos, I think. Why? Well, I guess, you know, it's kind of uh, ironic, really, that BHP jettisoned their oil and gas assets to Woodside, and Woodside have made a mozza on the back of these, and the LNG price has really been quite elevated, so Woodside's hitting records across the board. Santos obviously enjoys that LNG bump as well, so it's good news for our energy stocks uh, across the board, with those two being the biggest beneficiaries, I guess, of LNG pricing, which has been elevated. Record production from Santos, uh, from Woodside, rather, and it is kind of the first... 
uh, result that we've seen from them, which includes the BHP oil and gas assets, or at least uh, you know the first real result that we've seen. So they're certainly benefiting from that move. And Henry, I'm really curious to get your take on this uh, on this theme of cyber attacks happening around corporate Australia. We know it's happening with uh, Medibank Private. Its shares are in a trading hold. It's continuing to unravel hour by hour. It follows the attack on Optus a few weeks ago. How serious are these incidents? And is it something that shareholders or investors are really worried about? I think it's uh, I think it's pretty serious. I think it obviously goes to the heart of data privacy and and being able to protect that privacy and that data from from uh, bad actors and criminals. And as long as there's been banks, there's always been bank robbers. So there's always going to be someone that is going to try and break in and steal stuff from you. Uh, and this is certainly the case. I'm not sure if the Medibank issue is the same sort of issue as the Optus issue, but certainly you know companies now have to satisfy a lot of ESG requirements. And now I would think that there's going to be a big onus on companies to prove that they are cyber safe as well and that the data, especially for companies that hold and store a lot of personal and you know private data, are, are safe and secure. So maybe adding a, an extra letter, uh, we may have ESGC or something in terms of uh, adding cyber to that. But certainly it, it is going to be a big part of the corporate landscape. No one can afford uh, the business disruptions or the bad damage or the, uh, the, the problems that we've seen with Optus and uh, Medibank. Henry Jennings there from Marcus Today. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Thank you.